Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What is the vision of this church? Who are we as a church? And who we are as a church affects who you are. Because you call yourself a part of this body, this local congregation. And um, this could be generic, some of it, to any church, and that is true. But, but I believe this is specifically who we are as FHOP uh, Church. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, now I would remind you, brothers. How many know sometimes you need to be reminded? Do you need to be reminded? And so as I go through this, you're like, Pastor Drew, you already preached this once. Yes, I did. But now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And I would almost circle those three words. You received, in which you stand, on which you're being saved. Because uh, you've got to receive the word, you've got to stand in it, and you've got to let it save you if you believe, but you don't believe in vain. And this is what gets me right here is in verse 3. It says, for I, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, I delivered to you as of first importance. This is, what, this is the thing that Paul believed was first importance because there's a lot of stuff in this book, right? There's a lot of things and it's the Word of God. But can I tell you, this is what's of first importance. Importance. You might want to circle and underline and highlight that word. A first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. In accordance with Scripture. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. And I just want to stop there and say, listen, you, you might have done some pretty jacked up stuff in your life. I mean, look, look, look at me. You might have done some pretty jacked up stuff in life, but His grace to you is not in vain. You do not have to keep carrying that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Paul and knowing what you had done to the church of Jesus Christ and then being called to it? And have to look those people in the eye. And yet grace was real. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though, I, uh, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And this is right here, verse 11. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. He said it really doesn't matter if it was me or if it was them. We preached, you believed. You're saved. And what do we preach? We preach the thing that's of first importance. Jesus came. He died for our sins. He was buried. And He rose from the dead. This is first importance. 
And if we, if we become about anything else in this church, we've lost our way. And every single one of our conversations, somewhere in our heart, this should be churning. Well, wait a minute, I was talking about peanut butter and jelly. But I just think somewhere in your heart, this should be churning, that Jesus, He came, He died for our sins, He was buried, He, he rose victorious. This should be churning down inside of us at all times. Um, in, in John uh, chapter 17, can we go there? I'm sorry, I, I want to read it, because the Bible's way better than all the stuff I have to say. Um, this is Jesus, and he's, he's, he's praying. When Jesus, in John chapter 17, he said, he lifted his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you are the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life right there. That we can know God and Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. How I many you know that, that's, that's it? That's the, that's the center of everything. That's the center of everything. And this is where, where uh, I'll just read this to you for the sake of time. As a church, um, as a church, it tells us in Ephesians 4, it says he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Why? Why? Why are we all together this morning? Why do all of us have different gifts? Why are you different than me? Why are you so different than me? William? That is, but why? Why? He's like, I don't, I don't know the next verse. I'll tell you why. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why else? For the building up the body of Christ. Why? Why do we need to be equipped? Why do we need to build up? Until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The reason you're different than me is because we're trying to attain unity. That doesn't make sense. That sounds opposite. We live in a world that likes things to be homogenized. I want to be with people who are just like me. I want to hang out with people who are just like me. But in the body of Christ, it says we're different parts. Some of you are very different than me. And some days that can be fun and some days that can drive us crazy. And yet here we are unified. Why? To have unity and faith. Not just so we can say, hey, look, we're all unified. But so that we can have knowledge of the Son of God. And once we have that, it says we'll be mature uh, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. The whole point of this right here is so that we can have knowledge of the Son. And you could say like this, the whole point of the Son was to glorify the Father. So the purpose of everything we're doing in here today is, is and you know this, it's two simple words, is for us to know God. That is the purpose of everything we do in this building is to help people know God. And this morning, the whole worship set was so that you could know God. And the reason I'm up here speaking is so that you can know God and so we can be become unified together in the fullness of Christ Jesus so we can know who He is. Because I can tell you, and, and it was kind of the purpose of the whole rant the other day, was like, 
we can really easily put our mind on our problems. And you'll have anxiety and you'll have fear and you'll have doubt. But then we can put our mind on things that are above. We can know God. And once you realize who God is, it doesn't really seem that bad anymore. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful. It just means there's peace that surpasses understanding when we know Him. And that's like in Philippians 4 what it tells us. It tells us that, that when you're having all these problems and everything, is, is to pray. And it even tells you how to pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Talk to God. And this is what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds because you decided to know God and thank God and press into God. If I know Him, then things become very different in my life. Everyone say, know God. How many know we're supposed to praise God? We're supposed to worship God. And, and I, will, I want to, to, to press you this morning that we are people who are called to a dynamic and expressive form of praise in this place. And I want to give you permission to praise the Lord in this place. Um, I, I would have you go back and read the Psalms. Read the Psalms and see how they praise the Lord. It was, not, it was not a mundane event. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then he's still worthy of that kind of praise. Heaven's going to be crazy, folks. Because God is good. In Romans 12 and Hebrews 13, it describes praise as a sacrifice and as dying to ourselves. That when we truly praise, it is a sacrifice to ourselves. Because, and what is a sacrifice? What is dying to yourself? It's like, I want this, but God wants that. So I'm going to do what God wants instead of what I want. And so sometimes it, it's, okay, I'm going to lift my hands, although I feel like that looks weird. Which it shouldn't, I hope, at this point in this church. Maybe the Lord is calling you to fall on your face and worship Him. Maybe He's calling you to dance around this room. What I'm saying is, whatever it is God has called you to do, according to Scripture, praise is a sacrifice and is a dying of yourself. Do what He wants you to do, not what we want you to do. That is praise. Praise is a celebration. I'll just quote one Psalm, Psalm 103. It tells us to celebrate who God is. It says this, it says, know that the Lord, He is God. And let's celebrate who He is. Let's celebrate who He is. And here's what the really cool thing is, since we were just in 2 Corinthians, it says the presence of the Lord brings freedom. And since He inhabits the praises of His people, we are transformed as we see who He is. We are transformed as we see who He is. We are transformed as we see who He is. What you look at is what you become like. So if you look at your problems, your anxiety, you're going to become a problematic, anxious person. But if you begin to look on Him, whatever you behold is what you become. Whatever you look at is what you become like. So if we can look at Him, then we'll begin to transform. Uh, and that's why we spend the first part of service just singing. 
about who he is. It's because it's like, okay, everybody, let's put our eyes on him to get our hearts ready to receive the word because we can realize, oh my goodness, he is really, really, really good. And it's fun to walk in and worship him on, when, when we've had a good week. That's fun. And it's important for us to come in and worship him, put our eyes on him when we've had a terrible week. Because it's about not who I am, about who he is. I have to know God. Turn with me. We're in John, right? Are we in John? Go to chapter 8. You guys okay this morning? Because I'm good. I'm silently arguing with the Lord right now, so. Not that, God. In John chapter 8, it says this in verse 31. It says, so Jesus said uh, to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, say abide, you are truly my disciples. How do you know if someone's a disciple or not? Do they abide in his word? Not acknowledge his word. Not mentally assent to his word. Abide in his word. Uh, the girls and I were reading in Mark about the parable of the sower. Some of the seed, I mean the seed is everyone who's, I'm, I'm hearing the word, I'm taking it. But, but th- what happens with the seed is on us. If we let the seed abide in us, then it can grow. And what's crazy is in that place in Mark, especially some of the seed does get down in there and start to grow, but then doesn't make it. Because we haven't created an environment of abiding. Letting the word abide in us. How do we know that we're disciples of Jesus? And I wish we used the word term disciple rather than Christian in our culture because Christian is... Start saying disciple and think we've all of a sudden started a cult. It sounds weird, but it's more true. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and you will know the truth. And what? What? The truth will set you free. Oh, mine says set. Well, Ken and I are going to sit down and look at our translations soon. It will make you free. I'll give in on this one today. The truth will make you free. Some of you are like, I'm free. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Come on now. Some of us don't even realize that we're not free. Some of us don't even realize we're not free. There's people in our community that don't even know they're not free. That's hard. It's hard to walk up to someone who's in a prison and say, let me set you free. And they're like, I'm fine. What are you talking about? I feel free. Some of you are here this morning and you feel pretty free. 
and you don't even realize you're in a prison. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. This is not me trying to be heavy-handed this morning. This is the words of Jesus. If you practice sin, you're a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Here's what Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to be the slave. I want you to be the son. I want you to be in the house, not the prison. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How many know freedom is what we want our community to have? Freedom is what we want in this place. And here's what's, here's what's and flip over to 15, since we're, we're just going to, do a thing here here's here's what's the reality um okay god you win i'm I'm calling an audible and switching part of my sermon completely up right now so it's fine all right john 15 jesus speaking i'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And I know we know this. Listen, I know you know this, but let me remind you, brothers and sisters. You can know where someone's at by their fruit. So I'm looking at each one of you and I'm looking at your life as your pastor, as your pastor, because people are always like, well, you can't judge me. I, I mean, except for the verses that say we can. But, um, but there are also verses that say we can't. But there's context to all those scriptures, just so everyone knows. They don't contradict each other. Um, as your pastor, I'm called to look at the fruit of your life. And as brothers and sisters, we're called to look at the fruit in each other's life and to walk with each other. I don't think Jesus ever meant for us to just come to church on Sunday morning and hear a good message and go. Real community of Christ, real discipleship happens outside of these four walls. And in August... Lord willing, and the pandemic don't rise. Um, we want to do more of that. And I'm not just talking about small groups because a lot of churches do small groups. We want to get in your business. We want to walk with you and say, listen, are you abiding in the vine? Are you truly a disciple? And you might think that sounds exciting because if you don't bear fruit, he will take you away. But if you do bear fruit, He's going to prune you. I would rather not be pruned. But you know what happens if you're pruned? can bear more fruit. 
And in verse 3, he says, already you are clean or, or pruned. Already you are clean. How, how am I already clean? How am I already pruned? He says this, because the word I have spoken to you. Hebrews tells us the word of God is alive and active and it pierces. It cuts. It cleans. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says this. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. To another He said, follow Me. But He said, Lord, let Me first go and bury My Father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another He said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We teach in discipleship here at this church that the first level of discipleship is to come and follow. And if you read the Scriptures, a lot of people wanted to follow. Multitudes would follow. Jesus would try to get away from people and go out into the, 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 the wilderness, the desolate places, to, to get away where there was nothing. And the multitude would follow. That's the first level of discipleship. And if you're here this morning... You're here because you want to follow. And I would say, that's awesome. But here Jesus' his invitation starts to hint at the next level of discipleship, which is to come and die. To leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Come and follow. Come and die. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And in Luke 14, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him. In verse 25, when he turned to them, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And this is where he gets into this next level 
of discipleship. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. But then he goes on to say that it's important for you to count what being a disciple will cost you. That it will require something of you. Gone are the days of American Christianity where we try to win people with, with games and potlucks and things like that. Not that we won't do those things. But an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus is not, hey, come hang out with us, we have fun. A biblical call to follow Jesus is, come be a part of what Jesus is doing, it'll kill you. And when your flesh cries out for things that would make you feel better, you say no to follow Jesus instead. When your heart has desires for things that you think for just a moment will make things feel just a little bit more bearable, you say no and you follow Jesus instead. That this is the call of Christianity. This is the call of discipleship. It will cost you everything that you think is important. In a very, very real way, Jesus demonstrated this when He died and rose from the dead. And this is the symbol that He's given us as believers through baptism. I don't know if I've told some of you this, but um, I don't remember I've said it or not. I'm going to tell it again anyway. Um, the Lord had just been calling me to go up the hill where I live. Uh, and just spend time with them. And I've been avoiding it and avoiding it and avoiding it. I don't know why. And uh, I was watching The Chosen, which is awesome, by the way. Have I told you guys about The Chosen? Jamie, have I told you about it? It's really good. Um, and uh, we're at the point where... Simon Peter's meeting Jesus. Simon's meeting Jesus for the first time. He's been out there fishing all night long. And he needs this catch. And there's nothing. And this guy, this guy just shows up on the shore. And he's preaching and Simon hears him and he turns to Simon and they discuss Simon's plight of having nothing. He said, won't you cast one more time? And the story wrecks me every time. I don't know why, because it's just fish, right? And, and they pull in so many fish, like, 
the nets start ripping, right? The boat starts to overturn. They have to get another boat to come over. And it's this thing where God is using something so dumb to minister to this fisherman's heart because he cares about this fisherman. This fisherman, I read it last week, he gets wrecked and falls down on his knees before Jesus and says, get away from me because I'm a sinner because of fish. And uh, Jesus, he doesn't leave him there. He says, I've got a plan for you. Follow me. Follow me and we'll fish for men. We'll fish for people. We'll start catching people. And Peter leaves it all behind. Like he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus and he spends the next three years of his life watching the lame walk, watching bread multiply, seeing the Pharisees get stirred up, watching as, as Jesus comes in and people scream, Hosanna, Hosanna. Getting to hear the teachings of Jesus. And can you imagine how on fire your heart would be listening to Jesus. And I would say probably their heart wasn't completely on fire at first because they didn't even know what they didn't know yet. You know what I mean? You don't know what you don't know. And so I'm watching this happen. And when it ends, and I see, see Simon there just wrecked. I realize, and this is like my favorite story in the Bible. So I walk up the hill and surrender i actually had my phone and my watch with me and i actually chunked them out in the field and then i had to go find them but i didn't want to be distracted uh and i got up the hill and i talked to god and it got ugly um it just got ugly not not in a bad way it just in a real way I, I don't want to disrespect my God. I didn't disrespect my God, but I was just open with my God. Your God. Our God. And I just... My prayer became one simple... After a while, it became one simple phrase over and over. It's just this, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Like that's the only cry of my heart at this point in my life is Jesus, I want to follow you. Forget everything else around us. Let's follow him. I got baptized when I was like four years old. After watching the Passion Play, I didn't even know that it was a play. Um, I thought it was all real, the passion play. Um, sitting there watching everything happen. I remember laughing when the little girl like was brought back from the dead. Like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Lame people walking, blind people seeing. This is great. And I remember, I mean, I have the memory of just being wrecked whenever they arrested Jesus and they started beating him. And I didn't understand because all he had ever done was be good and loving to everyone around him, and yet they were hurting him. And as a little kid, I just didn't get it. And then they nailed him to a cross. 
And I remember, I remember looking at the audience members around me. And they were all smiling. Here's Jesus, bloody and hanging from a cross. They're all smiling. Well, those jokers all knew what was going to happen next. I had no clue. And they thought it was cute that this little kid was being wrecked by this play. I remember my mom just saying, just wait, just watch, just watch. And Jesus rose from the dead. Like, like the first time I saw that as a kid, like I got to see Jesus rise from the dead and I thought it was real. That's an amazing gift that God can give you. And the next day, my dad explained to me that none of it was real. <laughs> it was a play, but it really did happen. It really did happen. I remember, I remember we were sitting in that, that little den there in, the, in Harrison, that little place. Um, John and Ruby know exactly the spot, that little den with the sliding glass door. And he explained to me it was real and that, that I could surrender my life to Christ and, and I said yes and I was baptized right over right over here in this little coffee shop what used to be our church but then I was just one of those cultural Christians you know I was just a cultural Christian until junior high we went down to Florida and uh, there was a revival going on. Maybe you heard of it. And I was like 12, 13 years old. I think I was 13. And there was these people being baptized. And each person would get up and give their testimony. I was an alcoholic. And God has set me free. And I'm giving my life to Christ. And I'm being baptized. I was a prostitute. God completely changed my life and set me free. <laughs> Baptized over and over again. Testaments, I was addicted to drugs and God set me free. Over and over and over again, people talking like this. And I, in my arrogance, said, Lord, all these people are giving up all these things for you. As an arrogant little Christian turd, I said, Lord, name anything you want in my life and it's yours. Because I was a good kid. And God said immediately, no, no sooner than I get the prayer out, He said, I want your friends. Ooh. And you know, as a junior high kid, that's the most painful thing. And I had to surrender my friendships to the Lord because they were not godly friendships. And that night the Lord said, you need to get baptized again. And I said, no. And for the next 25 years, every time I'd see someone get baptized, the Lord would say again to me, Drew, you need to get baptized. And I would say, no. It's pride. I've already been baptized. What would it look like now? Now I'm a pastor. What would it look like if I got baptized? What would people say? Finally. Well, can I tell you something? I'm up on the hilltop just telling the Lord, God, I just want to follow you. I just want to follow. 
I said, Lord, I don't even know what the first thing I need to do is. I don't even know what the first thing is. And he said, yeah, you do. And so I walked down the hill. The sun was about to set. I found my dad. I said, Dad, I need to be baptized. And he was sitting there eating dinner, and he goes, like right now? <laughs> I, said, yeah. I said, like right now. He was like, okay. And we loaded up the car and uh, took my girls with me and my mom. And we went over to the Kings River Bridge. And I got baptized. And what I realized then, and my dad told me, he said, I've been praying for you for the last week. And the prayer that's been on my heart, and I haven't told you because I don't, I don't want to just say things that will affect you all the time. But he said, my prayer for you the last week has been resurrection. Resurrection. And ladies and gentlemen, that is truly what we are. When we get baptized, that's what it's showing us, is that when we go down under that water, we are buried with Christ. And that the sin we walked in is buried and dead. And what 1 Corinthians tells us is that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And I know you know this, but you need to know it this morning. And when you come up out of that water, you're resurrected into new life. And so you're dead to sin. That's a thing. Being dead to sin is a thing. You don't have to struggle with that thing anymore. doesn't mean temptation's not going to come. But what I'm saying is, you can be dead to sin. It's a real thing. I know. I've walked it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. The Lord has been so gracious to me during this season and during this time. Go to, go to Romans chapter 8, and this is where I'll end today. If I want to. I will. And then, uh, can come, so I guess someone could come play something make everyone else feel good. But I'm good. You're going to have to forgive me because um, I believe this is true and I believe this is the word of the Lord. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And that's, that's, can I tell you, that's my second point. My first point was no God. My second point is let's find freedom. Find freedom. Don't you want to be free? Don't you know someone who needs to be free? For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin 
in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. In us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You can say amen right there. Oh, come on now. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? It's what? Death. It's death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Underline that in your Bible. It's life and peace. How many need some life and peace this morning? How many know someone who needs some life and peace this morning? Well, if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you can give them that life and peace. I'm getting ahead of this. I'll let Paul do the talking. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. doesn't even have the capability. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to you. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of, spit, of sin. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Come on now. So then, Okay, what does this mean? So then, brothers, we are debtors. We are debtors. Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By whom we cry, Dad, Father. Whom we cry, Dad, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Wait, they're suffering? Yep. If that's all you heard, then you missed all the other stuff. You're a son. You're an heir. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that was the whole heart of my post the other day. <laughs> Next time you hear someone complain about 2020, your response should be, <laughs> not dis don't dismiss people's pain. That's not what I'm talking about. But compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Listen, and this is what's exciting. Can I say something? Yes, I can. Um, like, like, there's glory that is still yet to be revealed to us. 
come on. You are not to the end goal. Like, that's part of the excitement of the journey. Like, you just, we just want to hurry and get to, like, like in my life, I just want to hurry to get to the point where I know what's going to happen with everything going on in my life. I want to hurry and get to that point. I'd like to fast forward two or three years in the future and just know. But, 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 but God was revealed something to me today. Right? Like today, he wants to reveal to us. Listen to this. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for you. For you to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. You didn't hear me. That creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's freedom through you. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. How many have seen childbirth? How many have ever heard that groaning? And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oh, that's good right there. How many are weak sometimes? That, I mean, that's true. For we do not know what to pray, for as we ought. This was me up on the hill. I don't know what to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the, inter the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He justified. And those He justified, He glorified. What shall we say to these things? I'll tell you what, this is what, what I even say to this. Like, like this is Paul, and he's talking, he's going on, that we're glorified. What do I even say to this? And this is what he said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Like, this is how drastic he is for us. That he gave his own son for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he'll give you his son, what will he not give you? That's what it's saying. If he's willing, like I won't give you my kid, but if I want, like if I can, if he's willing to give us even his own son, what is there that he won't give you? Who shall be charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died more than that, who was raised. He didn't just die. He was raised. Who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am speaking the truth in Christ. This is where we live. This is the freedom. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. This is where we live. Will you stand with me? And uh, just Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. Who are we as a church? Can I tell you? We're a people who will know God and we're a people who will introduce the world to freedom. Through the Word. Through the Word. And my call to you is to die to yourself and follow. Some of you... You, you, you think you want to be in some sort of discipleship group here in this church, but I'm telling you, it will cost you. Because you're going to have men and women of God call you out on your crap. With love and gentleness. You'll have to die to yourself. And that's what Scripture calls us to do. Pick up your cross. Follow. Come and follow. Come and die. Good news is there's more levels of discipleship after that. We'll cover those later. I want us to know who we are. And here in a, in a week and a half, a week from Tuesday, we're going to be meeting together and talking about who we are as a church and where we're going. And this has to be this has to be the center of what we talk about. That we want people to know God. We want to know God. And we want people to find freedom in Christ. And so it requires a lot of dying to yourself. And, and, and I don't have, I don't know answers. I don't know, like, all of us are walking through different things. I don't know the the answer to every situation that comes up. All I know is that God is good and that nothing will separate me from His love. And I love you. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. I just want to make Him proud of me. I just want to make, just want to make my Father proud. I, I really just want never felt more real to know that I'm going to stand before him all I want to hear him say is well done what's, what's, what, a blessing in my life is I got to be a long distance runner another blessing in my life is I had a man of God as my father and I know not everyone gets those kinds of things 
And I know what it's like to cross the finish line and have my dad tell me, well done. I know that feeling when it hurt to run, when I just wanted to quit and stop, but it was hard and I was hurting. And I pushed through. And to have my father tell me, well done. There is nothing better. And this morning, whatever it is you're running through, I'm going to say, the Father, He's for you. He's for you. And it's time for us to lay aside the, the weights that we're trying to run with. Lay it all down. Let's just pray. Father, um, You're good. You are good. God, we want to be a church that leans into who you are, not who we are. God, we're, we're throwing church strategy and church planning and all the things that the expert tells us kind of off to the side just so that we can know what you want us to do. Jesus, we really just need you. Our community needs you. There's lost people. They don't even know that they're in prison. They don't even know they're not free. God, I pray that you would help us walk in grace and truth and love to bring them the freedom of Jesus Christ. God, a true peace that surpasses understanding. Ah, Father, I thank you that you are good. Lord God, I pray as we go from this place that we would carry with us, Lord, the revelation of Jesus Christ, knowing that you're still wanting to reveal more to us. And God, as we get more and more revealed to us. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would show that light to every single person that we come in contact with. Jesus, you are good. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.